We're coming to a end of the liturgical year. Today is 33rd Sunday, and next week is Christ the King, and that's the last week of the ordinary time. And we'll begin Advent, so two weeks from now, we'll celebrate Advent already. But towards the end of this liturgical season, especially like this Sunday, the Lord is inviting us to look into the end times, not only of our own personal life, because if we are elderly, it could be very soon, but the Lord speaks of both the church as well as the world. There is a time when there will be a moment in history where we have to give uh, account of our life. We have to give an account of what we have done. And the Lord will be our judge. He's our merciful Savior. But there will be a moment when, and time will come, when He'll be our judge. And we have to give account of what we have done with the gifts we have received, with the gift of life, gift of faith, love, the things that we have received, and how did we use it? What do we do it? What did we do? So there's that invitation today to a, a deeper reflection on our life, sort of examination perhaps of conscience. But this is how the Lord gives us this type of a reflection through his word. And what do we see today? In our gospel, we hear, while some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, and Jesus says, all that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Can you imagine how beautiful Jerusalem was at the time when Jesus was looking? A historian named Joseph Flavius was a Jewish historian, and he wrote and he sees this beautiful temple on the top of the hill. And, and he sees this temple because it was actually adorned even more beautifully by King Herod. You have this white stone, marble stone, and, and he describes it when he was looking in the morning, when the sun was shining from the east, looking from the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the hill. You can see this beautiful, the, the city of Jerusalem. And the temple is beautiful, the white marble. Then you have these huge uh, blocks of, of um, plates, golden plates, and they shine and reflect. And this is what the people say how beautiful this temple is, how beautiful it appears. How many of you have gone to New York City now with the Freedom Tower before it was the Twin Towers? Uh, you could see it from a distance. Now you see that Freedom Tower is very blue, bluish color because it shines from, from the sky, reflects. You can see it from miles around. Been to uh, Washington, D.C the capital too, or the National Shrine of Divine Mercy, uh, National Shrine of Mecca Conception. You look at from, from, uh, from, the, uh, from a distance, because it's on the hill, you can see it. You can see that beautiful blue, blue dome from a distance. And as you get closer, there are beautiful things that we see. 
and, and you know, other places, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, you get to, to uh, the Via Conciazione, you can see it from, from a distance. Those things, are, they look beautiful, and here in a special, special way, uh, the beauty of the temple, and people delight and are grateful. And yet Jesus says something very powerful to them, that a day is coming, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. And they say, and they ask him, teacher, when will this happen? At what sign will there be when these things are about to happen? And he said, see that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. Immediately after Jesus' after uh, crucifixion and resurrection and after ascension, there were 30, 30 historically recognized messiahs who came. They wanted to say that they are the ones, they're the true messiahs. It's 30 uh, listed in, in history. So therefore, Jesus warned them very clearly to not follow them, because they'll come in my name as though they have already returned. The second coming has taken place, and they're the ones who have, who have become, um, you know, the, the newly uh, 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 incarnate, I would say, whatever they were, however they were describing themselves. But they're not the true ones. There's only one Messiah, Jesus, our Lord. Can you imagine in 1970s, we had a Messiah called Young Sun Moon, he said that the real Jesus, the Messiah, when he came, he was a failure. So I have to be the new Messiah. Can you imagine also Marx who said the poor, the poor workers, those who are dis disenfranchised, he says, no one cares. The church doesn't care. God doesn't care. I care. I am the one. And we know that he's creating, has tried to create it, this paradise ever since, and every time he's being introduced into any society, in any nation, it becomes a failure because it doesn't really care. It's an enforced type of enforced uh, red bourgeois, and, and then it's enforced. Everybody should be basically dependent upon the government. So there are new messiahs. They seem to be keep coming. There was a messianic desire and wish for our country, which says, bring me all the poor here on, on Statue of Liberty. And it has served many. So a messianic desire to help, to assist. But we have to live according to God's ways. Because if we live according to selfish and greedy and violent desires that it will not happen. There will not be a haven for anyone. And that's the invitation today to reflect. The invitation to reflect that there's something great and yet we can destroy it. Why was Jerusalem destroyed? Jesus said, because they have missed the invitation of God's grace, mercy, mercy have come. God has come and they did not see. They rejected, they rejected God's invitation to live a life of glory. They have rejected. And so the consequences of rejection of grace, rejection of 
God's commandments, the consequences are destructive. They're destructive to us, not only here on earth, but as we will see, even going beyond the grave. So that's the first aspect today of our readings, is that there's only one Messiah. There's a time when things which are very beautiful to us here, they will pass. And sometimes the reason they are passing or being destroyed is because our infidelity to God, our infidelity to his commandments, infidelity to the commandment of love that the Lord has given to us, because that's the life-giving gift. If there's no life-giving gift, then what happens is that there's a destruction. We all know this. We all know. If you look at history, we see what happens. We have examples always coming to us. The second aspect which Jesus speaks is, is persecution. So not only the Messiahs were coming, but also that they will not be deceived because many will come in my name. I am he, but do not follow them. But there's another aspect which the Lord says when he responds to these disciples, he says, when will this happen? When will the destruction come? When the end of, of, of our life will come? And he says, when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first. But it will not immediately be the end. And then the continue, Jesus continues, then he said, nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights, and mighty signs will come from the sky. Once again, but before all this happens, however, when an end will come or, or the, the end of, of this world will come before this happens. However, be prepared for persecution. Be prepared for trials. And, and, and there's a very clear description. They will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons, and they will have and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. And we have, we know the persecutions took place soon with from Nero on, uh, waves and waves of persecutions for the next 300 years, very definite. But now we also have these persecutions too. They're not over, Christians are being persecuted. But the Lord says to us, it will lead to your giving testimony. Persecution as being giving witness. There was an early church uh, saying, um, saying that the blood of the martyrs are the seed of Christians. Persecutions never eliminated Christianity. As a matter of fact, persecutions always increased. Because what happened is the Christians themselves gave witness. They gave witness, gave witness to love. They gave witness to the power of grace in them. They had the courage, the strength. And then even in early Christians, when brothers and sisters of, or friends of those Christians were dying, they didn't see any terror on their faces. They didn't see any pain and suffering. And so they came to believe that the Lord suspends the pain and suffering for those who are being violently mistreated until death. They said there's something there, because how is it possible that on the human face, someone who dies a violent death, there's no terror, there's no fear, there's no crying out. That's what came to be believed, that Jesus somehow suspends the suffering of those who are being persecuted for faith, 
somehow he suspends their suffering and pain and that this this that jesus suffers for them and in them and this is why there were waves and waves of christians who were being persecuted and even died and yet they were not afraid they were not afraid because they they knew that life here on earth ends but the life of glory begins they were looking into it the lord says remember you do not need to prepare your defense beforehand because I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You won't have to worry. Time will come, grace will be given, and you'll be okay. You have knowledge, wisdom, understanding, all the things that are necessary. That is really a wonderful news for us today. Not to be afraid of persecutions, not to be afraid of trials, not to be afraid of struggles which we have to give witness to in our country around the world a witness because god gives the grace he will give us what we need for the times that we have but there's an invitation invitation to fidelity to invitation to life of glory and and what it is is this if we look at the first reading today from book of malachi from prophet malachi who wrote 500 years before the birth of Christ. And what did he say to the people of God? What did he say? Uh, just very simple words. The day is coming. The day of judgment is coming. The day and end of, of this world is coming. Blazing like an oven, when all the proud and all evildoers will be stubble. Proud and all evildoers. The day is coming and will set them on fire, leaving them neither root nor branch, complete destruction. He describes them as those who are proud. Pride usually was, you are so proud, you don't give, you don't bow your head before the Lord, you don't accept his ways, commandments. Original sin was known to be pride, pride, the evil one, the sin of pride, kind of rejection of God. Is considered to be sin of pride and all evildoers will be stubble malachi is using the language of an oven oven the fire remember the three youths that were thrown into oven to be burned and they did not burn the uh, the middle east especially in babylonia any evildoers which means any criminals what they were done what happened to them is they were thrown into a of, of an oven that was the form of execution. That's what happened to them, just thrown into the oven. And this is what Malachi, using this imagery, which was very much understood by the people at that time, that those evildoers will be thrown into the oven, they'll be burned. But he says also the following, but for you who fear my name, but for you who are faithful to me, there will arise the son of justice with his healing race. <coughs> the image of son of justice, son, son, as being the life-giving power for you, not the, the oven, not the fire, but the son, the son which is life-giving with his life-giving race. He'll provide you for a life of glory of eternity. So the imagery is very, very clear here today 
in our readings, which the church offers. The Lord wants to speak to us through these, through these, uh, through, through these words. So there is a t- time of judgment. There will be a time of judgment, and there will be judgment, judgment of being burned versus the judgment of life-giving sun and, and life of glory. So <clears throat> the Lord is asking us and telling us, stand erect and raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. But St. Paul today says to the Christians who are kind of saying, okay, the Lord is coming, so maybe I should get myself ready and get myself ready. So they stop, many of them stop working. And St. Paul says, you can't do this. You can't do this. Because all of a sudden they stop working and they start begging for food because they were, they were thinking they get themselves ready to, for the coming of the Son of God. But St. Paul says, no, you have to get ready by your activity, by work that you do. The life-giving uh, gift is also work, working, that you participate in, in helping one another in creating or recreating or enhancing the gift of the creation itself. So that means St. Paul says, <clears throat> don't just think of the second coming through the prism. I don't have to do anything. Get myself ready. Get yourself ready through work. And, and St. Paul says, even to the point where very powerful statement, he says that, that you know, he, he, he's really criticizing those who stop working, you know, getting themselves ready. By the way, I remember this when I was in high school. <clears throat> you know, there were some dates which some um, you know, Bible prophecy groups are saying that the end will come this moment or that moment. And I was in high school and, and, and um, uh, in the news I found out that even several high school students quit high school because they got themselves ready for the date which was given, a date where the, the end will come on such and such a date. But you know, the Lord never gave us any dates. He only gave us more or less description of the time. But it will come, the description of time, difficulties, problems, plagues and earthquakes and things like that. But God did not give us time. The Lord wants us to be ready. You know, our life, as you know, there was an older priest from our community who used to say, elderly people have to die. They will die. But often the young do before, before they mature. Uh, that means we are to be ready anytime, anytime to get ready. And how to get ready, St. Paul says, yes, work, help. May, may, may the work, the activities that you have help one another. Be, digi- be, be, digilent, be um, diligent in your, in your work. But he also says the following, for those who, <clears throat> for those who do not wish to work, <clears throat> they, should not, they should not eat. Very strong statement. He doesn't say, sometimes people translate this in the wrong way. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Or if you don't work, you're, gonna, you're not going to eat. St. Paul didn't say that. For those uh, for those who, oh, who are unwilling. That means because there are people who may not be able to work because of health issues, whatever it may be, we should be taking care of them. But it's not for those who are un- unwilling, unwilling to, 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 to work because, that's, because that means there's a choice here. There's a choice. And so therefore, 
Therefore, the, the strong statement from St. Paul. Yes, uh, so if, if anyone was unwilling to work, neither should, should that one eat. So you see the, the, the very clear statement here. Unlike, as I said, many people will say, quote, misquote St. Paul. What are we to do today? What are we to do? We know the end will come. It's a, it's a certitude. Jesus says, stand erect and raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. What should we do? How can we live our life from this moment on? We have to make some corrective because there's a, there's a certitude of the end times. There's a certitude of our own death facing the Lord. Saint, in St. Faustina's diary, Jesus says, if you wish to be protected by mercy, then before the day of justice, turn to my mercy. Turn to my mercy. Before the days of justice come, days of mercy are here with us, and these are the days of mercy, the time of mercy. It was Pope Francis uh, who also used that phrase during the year of mercy. By the way, if you have entered our shrine, there's still that beautiful sign, the doors of mercy on the, on the top, because this shrine was, was designated to be a special place by the church, to be a, a place, a haven of mercy, to be a place where people receive extraordinary graces. That's the, uh, that was the gift, the doors of mercy. So to come to the doors of mercy is to come to what? To hear God's word. The doors of mercy are the place where people are to receive forgiveness, where they are to be renewed in their faith, <clears throat> where they are to receive the sacrament of forgiveness, sacrament of mercy, which is, which is the sacrament of, of confession and reconciliation. This is the place where they receive new life through faith, through trust. They are to receive the author of life, God himself, through the Eucharist, where they receive the Eucharist. And I'm not referring to this place as such because every church is a temple, a place of mercy. It is a place of where people of God are nourished, transformed. But you know, what we have is fewer and fewer people Many of members of our families have stopped entering the place, a haven of mercy. They do not participate in the sacraments. They do not participate in a life of grace. So what are we to do? Remember, there's only 12 disciples and there's 72, I'm sorry, 12 apostles and 72 disciples and, 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 a, and, a, and a little group of women who are following the Lord. There were fewer than, it's about the number that's here. That means, and what did they do? They were able to introduce Christianity into right now almost two billion people who embrace Christ himself, which means we have power in front of us. We have power here because we have the power of God in us. It's not because of us, because Jesus is the one who gives us everything. He's the one. He will not. He gives us instruction and guidance. He gives us also knowledge of the future. He gives us a knowledge of what will happen or what may happen to us. 
but that we should not be discouraged because he is with us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid at all. Yes, by your perseverance, you will secure your lives. Perseverance in faith, in prayer, perseverance in, 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 in witness, good works, so that we know all these things. So maybe then today, as we continue with the sacred liturgy, and you know, everything I share with you, you already know. You already know. But we are, as we say, as people of God, we need to hear again and again so that we may become more convinced, we become strengthened, we become more even excited over the future. doesn't matter what the future is. Our future is secure already in God. Our future is secure. You'll find salvation. You'll find paradise, the glory that God has prepared ready for us. So it doesn't matter what happens. We are to participate in life of civil you know, discourse here, but we are to, be, to give the input of our words, of our example, of our knowledge, of the truth of what happens, how we have to defend the, the things which we know are leading us to eternal life, not those things that are destroying us. Because, you know, in the democratic principles, if, if the level of knowledge is low, then we introduce laws which are not exactly too good. If the moral level of our nation is, is low, then we introduce things which are immoral. And so we have to have that strength, and God is giving us the strength to prepare for the future, but so that we may bring more and more along with us by our perseverance, by our prayer, we will be there. So we don't have to worry, but there's a lot of work in between. And this is why St. Paul's words are so important. Work towards salvation of those who do not know the Lord, who do not know his ways. And God will give us whatever we need. God will choose from among us here or those who are participating or listening through the media. God will choose great leaders. God will choose powerful witnesses. God will choose people that will bring forth extraordinary grace to others. And we have no doubt. We have Our Lady to assist us. We have great saints to pray for us. We have our Lord Jesus who died for us, rose for us. And he, God himself, will secure the path of knowledge, the path of grace for us to accomplish his will. And his will, as we know, is his salvation. He wants to give us. May we then, through this Eucharist today, be empowered, be filled with zeal, be filled with the presence of God to do the things we need to do so that one day, not only us, but also many who are walking the journey or those who we will be able to affect will share the glory of the children of God, share in the happiness for all eternity. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. 
Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.